When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So you know that I despise junk fees. I can't stand them. And one industry in particular has gotten under my skin for a long time. And that's how the banks play dirty with your wallet. The banking industry has, after a change in the law that occurred almost a decade ago, has had to pull a con job on you to get you to rip yourself off with stinking, rotten, hideous overdraft fees. A new report from the Center for Responsible Lending found that Big U.S. banks, the giant monster megas plus the small number of top-tier banks added to them, that they alone made just under $12 bucks last year in overdraft fees that are voluntary for you. See, this is one of the rotten, terrible, despicable acts of the banking business. So the scoop is you, as a consumer, have to give the bank permission to charge you an overdraft fee. So what the big banks did was their marketing departments and their legal departments got together and concocted wording that made it seem like it was a huge privilege for you that the bank was offering you this special benefit, usually using language like, you'll never be embarrassed when you're checking out when you're told that your account doesn't have enough money. So you don't want to be embarrassed like that. So we value you so much as a customer that we'll cover that for you. As long as you tell us you'd like us to do that without really disclosing that they were going to feed you to the end of time, typically 35 bucks, although there are now some of the giant monster megas charging more than that. And so you, you tell the bank, yes, rip me off, and then they do to the tune of roughly a billion bucks a month. So know this. If you were cheated by your bank, conning you that you should sign up to be ripped off by them, you have the same right to go back into your bank and tell them you do not want their stinking overdraft protection. And as I shared with you recently, the real answer is you should never, never, not ever 
do your banking with a giant monster mega bank because all their DNA is about is every single day when they wake up trying to figure out how to do reverse bank robbery and pick your pocket. There are so many great choices with smaller banks, credit unions, online lenders, online banks, the alternative kind of places that do banking, what they call the fintechs on Wall Street, that you can even, if you're an investor, you can do your banking with a discount broker. That They're not into fees either. So remember this, and remember, the bank doesn't have your back. The giant monster mega banks are stabbing you in the back. Producers Kim and Joel ask your questions for you. And Kim, who do you have a question from? This is from Christy in Florida. She says, my husband retired out of the military and is now working for a private firm. I recently found his confirmation of his life insurance for his new employer, and he listed myself and his brother as the beneficiary. I asked him why he didn't list our two kids. He said that his new HR department advised him not to. Have you heard of this, and what do you think? Well, so usually if kids are really young, you would not list them because uh, in most situations, you know, you're not going to, and both spouses aren't going to die at the same time, hopefully. And so you would receive that money and you would use it in the way you felt was best as the surviving spouse. And kids generally are not in need of life insurance. They're in need of what life insurance can buy. And they're not in a position till they're adults to be able to really know how to handle that money. So what your husband has done is more normal. And I, I don't know by what you said, if he wants the proceeds split between you and his brother, or it goes to you. And then if you had also passed away, then the money would go to his brother. But an arrangement like that, that he's done is more normal and more typical than having the money flow to the children. Joel? Clark Vicky in Virginia says, would you be comfortable, Clark, flying around mid-July? I'm going from Virginia to Florida, but what are your thoughts on getting in an aircraft these days? That is a great question, and it's one that I have been going through in my mind over and over again. There's a circumstance that I might need to fly um, in the next week and uh, for something for work, and if I... If I have to do that, I will, as I normally do when I'm in public, I'll be masked up. Uh, airlines want you masked up anyway. I'll have my hand sanitizer. I'll wash my hands a lot. And uh, the odds are I'll be just fine. But the thing about travel is travel is uh, generally, for, when you're traveling for fun, it's it's fun, right? You're getting to go do something you want to do. If you would dread it, if you would have anxiety about it, lose sleep over it, be worried about the experience, then maybe July's too early for you. If you're just trying to get a sense of uh, the lay of the land and you're not really overly anxious about it, I would think you could go ahead and buy a ticket for the travel knowing that policies on uh, being able to change your travel to a date farther in the future 
is the most favorable it's ever been under airline policies without charging the ripoff change and cancellation fees that airlines historically have charged. But it really is your own call how you're feeling. Kim? Roger in Georgia says, because of COVID-19, I'm having some problems paying off my credit card debt. Should I call a debt relief company or should I be calling each credit card account individually? So what I would do is I would start with each credit card company individually and tell them the difficulties you're facing. The credit card companies uh, vary a lot in how they're responding to people who are having difficulty paying bills. The thing that I've seen repeatedly, though, is that the credit card companies want to hear from you. And it's normal that when people can't pay a bill, they kind of go into hiding, and that's usually not the right instinct. It's what we do, but it's not really the best thing to do. And your thought of calling your credit card companies is where I'd start. Now, you mentioned a debt relief company. So these come in different flavors. If you find yourself with an extended period of being short of money and you're trying to figure out what you should do next, that sort of thing, what I recommend is that you go meet with a counselor, either with a virtual meeting or an in-person, who is with a member agency of the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, NFCC.org. But be very wary of organizations that claim to be debt relief groups. Very few of them are going to be legitimately certified organizations that are members of the NFCC, they may in fact be people that bury you deeper in trouble than where you were with just having debt you haven't been able to pay. And I wish you the best getting back on your feet financially. Joel? Clark Kristen in California says, I have a two-part question. First, we refinanced in January to a 3.83% rate on a 30-year mortgage, but mortgage rates have dropped. So am I allowed to refinance again so soon? And do you recommend it? And also, are online mortgage sites a good place to start shopping? Uh, yes and yes. There's nothing wrong with you refining again so recently after you just did so because rates have moved at levels that have been surprising. And so you may be able to, even in a no-cost refi, where the lender gives you a little bit higher interest rate, but in turn they absorb the closing cost, you may be able to drop to somewhere around 3.25% if your credit score is really solid to uh, 3.375, maybe somewhere in that range, depending on what lenders are quoting for loans in your state. And you can shop with the online lenders. If you have a credit union you're a member of, definitely go shop with them. Um, the one place I would ignore, this sounds like the anti-big bank segment, but I guess any segment with me is the anti-big bank segment. But the big banks charge significantly higher fees and generally interest rates than everyone else in the mortgage market, and I wouldn't waste your time with them. So if you were to shop with an online lender, that's just fine. You shop with um, uh, one or more credit unions, that's great. Credit unions have become a very powerful force in mortgage lending. And if you have a relationship with a small local bank, 
it's great to check with them as well. For a refi, the more the merrier, the more people you check with. And I want to let you know something that people get confused about, that people worry that they'll ruin their credit if they inquire with too many mortgage lenders. The credit scoring models account for people being shoppers, shopping for a mortgage, and all mortgage inquiries in a short period of time have no impact on your credit. They are all treated as if they are a single inquiry. Even if you were to talk to 12 lenders, it's still treated as only one inquiry. Joel? Clark, uh, Bill in Washington says, Hey, Clark, my soon-to-be better half and I are getting married July 31st, and we'd like to go on a honeymoon in early December. We prefer a warm weather destination, but I'm concerned about committing to any sort of destination travel locations at this point. So do you have any suggestions for booking travel in these uncertain times? So this is going to be the story for many people for special events and congratulations on your upcoming wedding that... I've got an anniversary coming up, a big one, our 25th wedding anniversary. We were planning to go to Thailand and Singapore in the fall, and now there's a big question mark by it. So there's two ways to approach this. One is to book travel that you know is refundable and have your travel booked so you don't, don't worry so much. Or if there's deals available that are so extreme you consider booking travel and then buying cancel-for-any-reason trip insurance. You don't get back all your money with it. You usually get back three-quarters of your money. But if it's a screaming enough deal you can book, do that. Otherwise, just sit on your hands and wait. Let the clock run and then see if later this year you feel like you're comfortable in taking that December trip and you do so. And by the way, Travel the first two weeks of December to Fun in the Sunspots is the cheapest price each year for that kind of travel. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Eileen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Eileen. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing wonderful. How are you today, Clark? Great. Thank you. Eileen, you're calling me about something that we have had a steady number of people calling about And it's funny, up till this became a big pitch on the internet and occasionally on radio, we never had the question you're going to ask. So hit me with it. All right, here it is. I have been noticing ads for title insurance to protect someone from having their home stolen. I've heard these mainly on the radio, I think. So I was curious if this is a worthwhile pursuit. I never thought about having insurance for that. Our house is paid off and an integral part of our portfolio. So can someone steal our title? And if how do they do that? So it's a very, very obscure and rare crime. But what will happen is somebody will be looking for a homeowner, which about a third of people own their homes free and clear. They look for somebody who owns their home free and clear. 
and then they will commit acts of identity fraud to pretend that they are the owner of the home. And then what they'll do is, with false ID and the rest, they will do some kind of, most commonly, they'll do some kind of borrowing against the home. Hmm. And as far as the lender thinks, it's you, not them. Yeah. But this is very, very, very rare. Now, you can, because this is something that, uh, that people in real estate circles are aware of, you can, in many counties now, sign up for a registry with your county, and I would check with your county to see if they offer a registry, where you can check to see if uh, any activity is going on against the title of your home. And now a number of counties offer a registry where they send you by email a notification if anything comes up at all with your home. Hmm. What department would that be in your county? What would that uh, be called? I, it would depend on the how the government works where you are, but okay. usually it would be uh, wherever deeds are registered in your registered county. Deeds, okay, would be yeah. the most likely thing. But buying insurance for this is not something that I would say is a priority. But using this as a tip-off to check with your county and see what notifications are available would be a great idea. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. And employers have had a really rough time along with their employees. I mean, you think about how many people have been laid off over these months, even as some have gone back to work. It's been just really, really rough and tough. And so there are companies that have felt like they had no other choice but to do layoffs in order for the the company to survive. And then there are others that have done a different path. And this is one that we saw some of in the Great Recession. And some people really like it, others don't. And it's where instead of laying people off, people take pay cuts. And so generally the way it works is the very top echelon of a big company, the very top executives take huge pay cuts, some cut their pay to zero, and then the next layer of what's referred to usually as senior management tends to take pay cuts at 25% or so, and then non-senior employees tend to take a pay cut of 10 to 15%, eliminating the layoffs that would happen otherwise. It creates significant hardship on employees because your bills continue as they are. But in many cases, a company recovers more quickly because everybody's still engaged in work. It doesn't create the disruption of not having enough hands on deck to, with the skill sets necessary to serve the remaining customer base when you have laid a large number of people off. It, but it is a very, very tough choice. I mean, you know, you've got one situation, which is the musical chairs, where there's just not enough chairs anymore and people are out. 
And then the other possibility is where you end up being uh, offered or told, or what we say in the military, voluntold, that you're now going to make 10% less is the bad news, but the good news is you keep your jobs and benefits. And so uh, there are people who would rather see the headcount reduced and keep pay as it is, but I believe that in a time that's really hard for so many people that a company doing a pay cut of 10% or so in order to keep everybody employed is making what, to me, is a better decision. And I know that there's a lot of uh, feeling about this, a lot of uh, strong opinions either way on it. But the good news, and I want to tell you this is good news, is the economy is going to recover, and it will recover much faster than it did in the Great Recession from last, uh, well, that's more than last decade now, uh, that started 2007, 8, and 9, that the recovery is going to be quicker because the fundamentals of the economy were okay. Just a health emergency created the cut in demand and the real slump in the economy that was so fast. Uh, Producer Kim, you have a question from a listener you want to share with me right now. Yep. Her name is Sherry. She's from Tennessee and she says, is unroll.me safe or do you have any other suggestion? I have way too many emails. So unroll.me has gone through a change. I'm trying to remember how it changed. Oh, no, no. It looks like it's still working as it was. I don't. I do still use it yeah. myself, yeah. So with it, what happens is if you go to unroll.me.me and you've got like a zillion emails coming in, you don't even remember when you subscribe to this, that, or the other, they will help you clear out those things and do the unsubscribe thing for you. Now, the advantage of this is pretty strong because I recently manually went through my gmail and started unsubscribing to things and i had no idea how or when i actually subscribed to a lot of the things whose subscription lists i was on but unroll.me does that for you the question then and they answer it right on the main screen how do we use your data And this is what we've had questions about before, is what they collect about you, what they learn about you, and what they do with the data. So they claim that they use your data in order to, uh, uh, what do they call that when they don't identify who you are? They anonymize the data, supposedly, and then they are able to sell that data to other organizations. So go read the how we use your data section and see if you're comfortable with what unroll.me has about you and on you from doing this for you. Joel? Clark Robin in Alaska says, based on your advice several years ago, Clark, I froze my credit. 
Now I'm interested to know what my credit score is. It's my understanding that due to COVID-19, credit scores can be checked without any penalties. Do I need to thaw my credit before I go check my credit score, though? Right. So you can always check your score without penalty. The problem is you normally have to pay to check your score. Your reports are available for a one-year period whenever you want, pretty much, from uh, annualcreditreport.com, where usually you're only entitled to one free report each year. Now you're entitled to a steady stream of free reports from Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. But to get your score for free, which never hurts your credit to check your score, by the way, the easiest way to do so and the most efficient way if you have your credit frozen is for you to look at your credit card sites. So the either the online statement for credit cards you have or the portal that you sign into with a credit card company because credit card companies check your credit every 30 days. And years ago, Discover came up with the idea, hey, we're paying for this already. Why don't we just make it a, a card member benefit? They started making people's scores available to them for free. And now most credit card issuers do that. So you'd be able to check your score whenever you wish. You also could thaw your credit temporarily and enroll with creditkarma.com. And you'll be able to see what's going on with your credit and their version of your credit scores are available to you whenever you want for free, updated once a week for free. And just like Unroll Me that we were just talking about, Credit Karma is able to provide the services that it does for free because they make money off making recommendations to you that they get commissions from based on what they know about you from maintaining your credit profiles for you. Kim? Deborah in California says, is it safe to use a password manager program like LastPass on a Chromebook that I used to dedicate for bill paying, brokerage, banking, etc.? She also says, thank you, Clark, so much for all you do. I've been a faithful listener for two decades. Well, thank you very much for that. And using a password manager is... Uh, a great thing to do because it's so difficult for us to maintain and keep up with all the passwords. We tend to fall into a habit of using the same password again and again at different sites, which makes it a lot easier for crooks. So if you use a password manager, you are giving yourself the ability to generate very, very strong passwords that are different at every site and you only have to remember one master password. Doing that on a Chromebook, uh, maintaining your password manager, uh, yeah, I, I guess that would be absolutely fine to do. I've never thought about that, and I may reserve, my, um, reserve the right to change my mind on that, but for now I'd say that is a-okay. Joel? Clark Cindy in North Carolina says, I recently received a medical bill in the mail and I was able to confirm it was legit. One of the methods of payment in the app uh, is an app called Papaya. I was nervous about using this app because I'd never heard of it before, but it ended up being extremely easy to use. I did have to connect my bank account. So my question for you is, is my information safe on this app? I'd really love to use it again because it did make paying that bill really easy. Yeah, Papaya is a very interesting thing. So Papaya... Is, uh, is a startup that what they do 
is all you have to do, like depositing a check now, where you just take a picture of your check and you deposit it in your account, Papaya works on that same principle. You just take a picture with the app of a bill that you owe, and then Papaya makes the payment for you. They work especially with medical providers. Medical providers have such a hard time doing online bill pay where they collect payments from customers. It's expensive for them, and uh, customers find the process very frustrating with a lot of medical providers. So Papaya is one of the fields that they're really focused on, and you'll have uh, doctors, dentists, other medical providers offer that as a payment platform to pay them. So depending on who you're paying a bill to, you can pay either with your checking account that you register with Papaya, or you can pay with a credit card. Sometimes if you pay with a credit card, you're going to have to pay fees because whoever you're paying the bill to won't pay those fees. Other cases, whoever you're paying is happy to pay the credit card fees just because they want your money. As to whether or not the security protocols that Papaya has put in place are strong enough, I'm not capable of saying that, although they talk about how tight their security is. Kim? Chad in Ohio says, I have a few investments through my job and through an annuity. I really want to invest in 5G stocks, but I have no idea how to do that. I'm on a limited income and I can't afford to waste any money. Can you lead me in the right direction so I don't get ripped off? So based on what you said, I would say it's not a good idea for you to invest specifically in companies that are hoping to do well in the next wave of digital communications 5g um, generally the people that you go that you look for that you could make money from are not the cell phone carriers themselves that are spending billions and billions of dollars to update their networks to run on five generation cellular 5g it's the suppliers where the money is going to be made for investors. It could be the tower operators, could be the companies that build components. And there's a lot of speculation about this because of our ongoing trade war with China and are trying to block Huawei, the largest installer of 5G in the world, from being involved in our 5G market. The problem is this is an area that is so specific that when you cannot afford to risk losing money, it's really not for you. Jerry joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jerry. How you doing? Good, Clark. Very good. Thank you. Jerry, you have a question that I used to get, like, it was almost like every single day, and now I get this question maybe three or four times a year. What okay. is it you're thinking of doing? Well, we have a, let's say, cable, internet, phone package, and the internet and phone are separate from the cable. But, you know, recently our bill for the phone and internet went from $86 to 96 and I called them, and I thought we had some arrangement made, but the next billing, it was 100 and something. Yeah. So uh, we're interested in 
seeing if there's a cheap and economical way to have a landline. And if not, then maybe we'll get rid of it. Um, I'm a little older than you, so I can understand why this question isn't coming around very frequently anymore. Yeah, because by now most people have gotten rid of a home phone line, and so there's a compromise, and it's called UMA, O-O-M-A. I don't know if you've ever heard of UMA, but Consumer Consumer Report says that UMA, and they've done so test after test when they test home phone service, which they don't test as often as they used to, but that UMA historically has been the highest rated home phone service. And the neat thing with UMA is that it's free once you own the device, which the device these days tends to be right around $100 or less. So you buy this UMA device, and then you pay nothing for local or long distance or caller ID or any of that stuff moving forward. The only thing you pay are state and local government pass-throughs which most areas tend to be somewhere between 3 and $7 a month. And the okay. phone quality is fantastic. You do need an internet connection to use UMA, but you already have that from the cable monster. Do you think $55 a month for internet is what I'm going to need to have to pay? Because that's what they quoted me if we were to drop the landline. Yeah, that would be a deal for you. I mean, like if they're charging you 110 for the the high-speed internet plus the phone, I mean, think about how much money you're going to save if you dump that and just get internet. And the 55, you know, this is one of those things, two years from now, $55 a month for a home internet connection is going to seem ridiculously high because of new technologies that are entering the market the cost of home internet is going to drop a lot. But in today's dollars, 55 seems like kind of mid-market, maybe even a little lower than the middle of the market for a home internet. So I'd say do that, do the UMA, and then you're going to be in good shape. I I've, been, we'll I've had UMA, I got to tell you, I've had UMA at least 10 years. And I've always referred to UMA being free phone service for the life of UMA. You know, since it's for life, but how long is UMA going to be around? They keep going on and on and on. So it seems pretty low risk to me to spend the 100 bucks. All right. Thank you for answering my question. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, check UMA prices at UMA itself and then at other places. Sometimes Costco.com offers a deal on UMA. Um, lots of other sellers online offer UMA, and wherever you find the cheapest deal, that's what I do. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. 